When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're getting you ready for the Scouting Combine, which is this week in Indianapolis. And what we're doing is Mary Kay Cabot, Dougley, Maurice, Ashley, Bastock, and I are going through our Brown-centric mock drafts that we've done. We've each done two of them. We're doing them every single week to see how they change, how our opinions change. So we're going to talk through those here on our Monday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Those are all in cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, so head over there if, if you want to uh, check those mocks out. Now, the other thing you can do at Cleveland.com slash Browns is become a Football Insider subscriber, which this is the week to try it out. Daily newsletter delivered right to your inbox. Become one of our tech subscribers and, of course, get access to those stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns that are behind the uh, Football Insider subscriber exclusive tag. So, again, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get all your info. Get signed up. All right, let's get you ready for Combine Week. We're talking mock drafts on our Monday Orange and Brown Talk. We go kicking off Combine Week, our Monday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we are going to look back on our Browns-centric mock drafts that we all have done. So Mary Kay, Doug, Ashley, and I have all done uh, the first four picks for the Browns. We've done two of them at this point, uh, and there's a lot to get into. You know, I just want to start with this. You know, Mary Kay, as we hit record on this, you just posted your second uh, mock draft. You've got Fridays. Um Two weeks in a row, you've gone with Malik Willis at number 13. So we talked a little bit about Malik on, I forget what day it was, earlier this earlier last week. Here's the question I have about the idea of taking Malik Willis or any other quarterback at number 13. What's the downside? Like, Doug, if they take, right, we got to look at both sides of the decision, right? We know the upside. Malik Willis could come in and maybe he's a superstar. Maybe Kenny Pickett can run this offense perfectly. Whatever it is. Doug, what would the downside be of taking a quarterback at number 13? Just you're giving up the opportunity to take another really good player at a position that you need. To me, the the main thing is you're giving up the chance to take Garrett Wilson or Drake London or Traylon Burks, who I think all profile as true number one receivers. And I've gotten feedback. I'm I'm sure you guys have too. There are plenty of people who think like, don't take a receiver in the first round. You can get a good receiver in the second round. The Titans picked A.J. Brown in the second round. But you can go through and do that at every position and find the guys who were good later, and you can find the misses in the first round. I think it's a good receiver draft. I think the Browns are desperate for receiver help. And could you go Malik Willis at one and get a pretty good receiver, maybe who is as good as a first-round guy? Yeah, you could. But to, to give up the shot at a guy like Garrett Wilson, I, I think is the only downside. Right. I mean, I, I don't think there's a downside to bringing Malik Willis or a guy like that onto the roster. I think with with what these quarterbacks are like in this draft, that taking one of them at 13 makes I think the value is there. So it's just the, the opportunity cost of not taking somebody else. So, Mary Kay, I mean, you've, you've obviously put Malik Willis in there at number 13, two weeks in a row. Again, what? The opposite end of that spectrum. If they take him, what could go wrong? What would be like, let's say he flames out. Let's say he's just not the guy. Is that necessarily devastating to this team? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. My thinking on that whole thing is that uh, if you think that there is the potential there, and you think that there is a chance to, to hit it big with a guy, maybe you have to develop him. Maybe you've got to put a lot of time and effort into him for a year. And now the Browns have a new quarterbacks coach. So, you know, it's interesting to see what they're doing there with some of this. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think it is the worst thing in the world if it doesn't work out. I think it's a chance worth taking. I think the more swings you take at the quarterback plate, uh, the better off you're going to be. I would rather swing and miss than pass up on a, on a good prospect that could take you somewhere. I mean, would, what would people be saying three years from now, or two, from now or two years from now, uh, if the Browns pass on Malik Willis at number 13, 
the Steelers take him and he turns out to be the next great thing, right? Because that could happen. They really, they really do like him a lot. I've, I've seen with my own two eyes, Mike Tomlin spending time with him and whatnot. So I think you can pretty much get other positions somewhere, somehow, some way through a trade, through free agency, through later in the draft. But if, if you think that there could be something to a guy like that, I'm willing to take that chance again. 13 at this point, I don't even know if he's going to last that long. We'll know more after the combine. I've seen him go as high as three, but if he happens to fall to them there, I still think it's a chance we're taking. You'd have to really work hard to get your receivers in another way. Ashley, I mean, what, again, if they go up to the podium, hey, Browns, number 13, Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty. Are you excited? Are you like, oh, I don't know. I, I just... I guess the reason I'm asking this is like, I can understand what you're saying, Doug, like, Oh, you know, you'd miss on a guy like Garrett Wilson, but I just don't know if taking that chance is as bad as some people might just initially think. I don't think it's as bad. And especially I know Scott's not on this, but he's the one that always brings up, like they haven't drafted any quarterbacks in a while. So like for their future, they're going to have to start like looking at that at some point. Right. But I do just think for me still, it's going to, it's going to take a lot to get me off of the receiver bandwagon with Doug. I think that we're both on, but to Mary Kay's point, like if you have a guy who you think can run your offense perfectly and Kevin Stefanski is totally confident in that, and they're all in on somebody, then I think you do what it takes to get that guy here, regardless of where, what pick you're using to get him. And I, you know, again, another reason I brought this up is Paul DePodesta, when he went on that in-house radio show, I mentioned this yesterday, didn't talk about Baker Mayfield. He did mention in another form of decision-making when they were talking about aggression on fourth down, you know, he brought up the idea of like, you have to weigh both sides of the decision, right? Mm-hmm. If you get it right, of course, it's great. What's the downside if you get it wrong? And I'm sure they're sitting there having this discussion. If they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, maybe we go through this process and this quarterback class ends up being as disappointing as we think, as some people think at least. Mm-hmm. But if they end up falling in love with one of these guys, Doug, that's what they have to weigh, right? Like there's risk, but is it as devastating as it used to be? Because yeah, rookie controlled contracts and you just might, tiny chance you might have that guy who can be a franchise quarterback for 10 years. And that I think is the interesting thing here that it's, you're not drafting from a point of desperation because you have Baker Mayfield for year five. You have your starting quarterback for 2022. So that allows you that they're not going to take, we'll take the best quarterback available at 13. They would take a guy that we love this guy. Mm -hmm. And that I think is sort of a better way to go about things. But let's just say, you know, there's, there's probably five quarterbacks that people think are worthy of going in the first round. Let's say they love two. And they say, we're going to take, we're going to take Garrett Wilson or Drake London, unless one of those two quarterbacks falls to us. We're not going to jump for him. We're not selling out for these guys, but we really like him. If they get to us, he's our guy. I don't think that's terrible thinking, right? I, I, that, that it's not quarterback or bust. It's the guy. So, whereas with receiver, I think they really need to take a receiver. So I would be in favor of like, we're going to take a receiver at 13 and we're going to take the, we're going to go down our list. So we have our one through five receivers and we'll take the the highest one on the board. But that's why I think it could work. What Mary Kay is saying that, listen, if if you're in love with Malik Willis and he's there, that's hard to say no to. And remember you guys, I I don't, I'm not sure about, I'm not a hundred percent certain about Malik Willis. I mean, I saw things at the senior bowl that gave me pause. The size is one of them. I mean, you know, we're a little gun shy here right now about short quarterbacks. Right. Uh, But I do think uh, that when, when you are a dual threat quarterback and you're a little shorter, I think that's okay. Uh, I I think that takes the edge off of it a little bit. And I also think when you have these really this uncanny knack to throw from the different arm angles and to really be good at it, uh, I, I think that helps as well. Uh, but I did see some things. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not hundred percent certain that, you know, that he's going to be able to read defenses as well as he needs to, or, you know, maybe he can get better at that. I mean, I'm not hundred percent certain. I've been way more certain about other quarterbacks heading into a draft. Um, not super certain about him, but still 
enough traits that I think it's worth a chance. No, it's just one of those. Listen, when we went back and we did the Mayfield matrix stuff, a couple, whatever it was, several weeks ago, um, you know, Malik Willis wasn't thought of sort of in the whatever as highly as, I mean, he seemed like he opened some eyes at the senior bowl. And the hard thing is like, I don't, I don't want the Browns to take Kenny Pickett. Cause I think Kenny Pickett is a, doesn't have the same kind of traits, but yet there was a time when people thought Kenny Pickett would be the first quarterback off the board. Cause maybe he's safer and he put a big numbers in a bigger program and stuff like that. So I would want like for the Browns here, it's gotta be an upside role, right? That's the thing. But then it's one of those things. If everybody, if like, if Malik Willis is like, we think Malik Willis is some combination of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. And that's like, well, then he's not going to be there at 13. Right. That's that's the hard thing about this that yeah we could that that he's listen and to your point Mary Kay it's a very good point the quarterback they're taking at thirteen he's gonna have a couple question marks because if he was a perfect quarterback prospect he mm-hmm. wouldn't get to thirteen mm-hmm. so it has to be that the traits the upside traits are high enough that you can develop the inconsistencies or the flaws you can get through them so it, that's why I think Willis seems to fit this a little bit because there's a little uncertainty played in a smaller program, that kind of thing. He did start off at Auburn though. He was a big time recruit. So like now, Kenny Pickett, no, Matt Corral probably isn't going to get to 13, but like Willis just seems like the name that that makes sense because there is a little bit of a question mark along with the tantalizing parts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes teams do overthink this stuff too. Um, You know, I, when in thinking about Malik Willis, right. And some of these comps that, that you can make, I, to, to turn this into a quick Cavs discussion during the draft process, Chris Fedor, our Cavs beat reporter wrote a story where a scout compared Evan Mobley to Anthony Davis on one side of the ball and Chris Bosch on the other. And when I saw that, I'm like, wait, so he's going number one, right? No, Kate Cunningham went before him. Jalen Green went before him. And there he was sitting at number three for the Cavs. So this stuff can, so I do think NFL teams, not as much as in the NBA, sometimes they do sort of fall into traps a little bit where you know i don't know if we can take malik willis at number five even though we think he might be this guy and then that's how a guy like that ends up getting to number 13 or getting to the second round like lamar jackson was some nobody wanted to take a chance on lamar jackson even the ravens and then they finally did at the end of the first round okay let's talk a little bit about receivers that's where most of us have gone uh with this number 13 pick so uh, I, i went with drake london in my first mock. Now I traded down in my second. We can get to that in a little bit. Uh, Doug, you've gone Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks, and then Ashley, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. It feels like we've sort of honed in on, on the names we like right now. So, Ashley, does anything change for you next week? Or, I mean, do you think you're going to be coming back to these names over and over again? I mean, the the one guy who I'm curious to see how he does at the combine is Traylon Burks, because I think that's the other name that's thrown in with Drake London and Garrett Wilson and isn't mentioned quite as much. But I think given his traits, people are curious to see what he does next week. So I wouldn't be surprised to see me pick him at that spot. And obviously that also depends on how Drake London and Garrett Wilson do even Chris Olave. Maybe if you're, you're looking at the, the guys who could go in the first round. Uh, I just think like in general, they offer obviously different things with the two that I've gone with so far, like Garrett Wilson is great at creating separation and Drake London. When we've talked about him, we've brought up his basketball background and the way he can compete with those contested catches. He led college football in that. So I think for me, it's like, I would be happy with any of those guys. It's about who's going to be there. And I know when we've been using the, the PFF simulator, it's kind of hit or miss. Like most of the time when you run it, both of those guys are not both still there at 13. Most of the time Garrett Wilson is gone. The first time I ran it, he, they were both still there. So I went with him because I think given his separation ability and deep threat ability, that's who, who I'm really uh, interested in, I guess, if I had to pick right now. So, so Doug, that was sort of your headline on your second one. Like, what if these guys, what if those top guys aren't there? And that's how you landed on Burks. Yeah, the, the mock draft consensus database has Wilson 12, Traylon Burks 15, Drake London 16. So it's right around this, right? And that that's, we don't know. I, I don't think all three will be gone. But Burks, Burks, I think is really interesting. Some people make Debo Samuel comparisons. He's like fast and he's physical. He's really big. 
Uh, London's like a typical six, five big receiver. I do think uh, people know I, 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 I've, we talk about Garrett Wilson a lot. We've talked about Garrett Wilson a lot on Buckeye talk for the past three years. We fight over who likes him more. Mm-hmm. Um, I call him, I started calling him professor football at the end of the year. Cause like he just, I, we, a couple times I got to talk to him and he just likes to break down football. I do think it's possible that after the combine Garrett Wilson's going to be like a consensus top eight pick that he's going to go there and he's got a big catch radius. He's fast. He's a great route runner. He's great on contested balls in the air, but he's just a super smart, like kind of guy you want on your team. And I think he's going to test well and interview well, and he may become a pipe dream at 13. (laughs) So I'm trying to prepare myself for that reality. But I do think London and Burks are number one receivers. So that I'm not afraid of either of them at 13. But uh, I tried to, my second draft after my first one, I tried to say like, all right, I'm going to act like some of my favorite guys are going to be gone. And I just, I do think Wilson might just blow some people away in Indy. Mary Kay, this feels a little bit like Andrew Berry's first draft where, you know, they knew they needed a left tackle. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just let it fall that way. They kind of just let the thing play out and they end up taking Jedrick Wills at number 10. Is there a little bit of a feel there? Obviously, like, like we just talked about, you've got Malik Willis at number 13. But if they do go receiver, is there a little bit of that 2020 feel here where AB might just kind of let this board fall the way it does and whoever's there at 13, he grabs him? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, obviously, to consider in addition to would they draft a quarterback number one overall? And we've talked about this before. Would they use that number one pick to go out and find themselves a veteran quarterback? So we have to be cognizant of that. But if they don't do either one of those two things, it does feel like it lines up to me that your need also goes with the really, really deep position in the draft this year. And that's how it was in the left tackle year. So I think it, I think it aligns perfectly with what they want to do. And I like so many of these guys. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a, a little smorgasbord of receivers and a really good one should be available to them at number 13. I mean, you've got size, you've got speed, you've got playmaking ability. There's a little bit of everything. And I almost don't think that you can go wrong with any of them that should be available. So I think this is a perfect pick here. And I think, you know, in the end, as we move towards the, um, the draft, I mean, we might all be picking a receiver in the first round, depending on what happens in free agency and the trade market. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, it's an excellent pick and probably the way that they're going to end up going. I, I will predict right now that the Mary Kay Cabot mock draft after the combine will have Mary Kay Cabot trading the first round pick for a veteran quarterback after Mary Kay Cabot does her thing and like goes through the, <laughs> is going through coming and talking to people and, and, you know, doing the, the Blundhound news thing. I can, I can just envision in my head, Mary Kay zeroing in on the deal that makes sense. The thing that I do think is good in the draft. I think you look at, there's probably three edge rushers that definitely go before 13. There's probably three offensive linemen that definitely go before 13. And I think Derek Stingley Jr. And Kyle Hamilton are two DBs who definitely go before 13. That's eight. So that's kind of like eight guys. I don't know if Browns aren't taking any of those guys. Now, these people start jumping for QBs, which they always do. If they start jumping for QBs, then it could be one of those things where Garrett Wilson blows people away at the combine and it doesn't matter because people are looking for these other positions. They're jumping up for a quarterback and all of a sudden, every receiver on the board is there at 13. And no matter how well those receivers do, I think need and where some of the talent is at other positions does have a chance to push the receivers down. So let's have the Jamison Williams discussion here. Uh, So in my most recent one that I put up this week or last week, I guess, when you're listening to this, um, I had the Browns trading down out of the number 13 pick. You know, I think, look, Andrew Barry likes to have extra picks, not like, you know, 40 picks every draft, but he likes to have those extra picks, especially on day two, day three. And Jamison Williams is really intriguing to me because there was a time Maybe it was right up until he tore his ACL where a lot of people thought he might have been the best receiver in this draft. And now because of the injury, you might get him in the twenties. Um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah talked a little bit about him on his, on his call today, like, like that kind of value. Doug, I want to start with you because obviously being around the Ohio state program, you know, the narrative has sort of been at times, well, you know, if he was behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and he had to transfer to play, 
Is he really better than those guys? Is, is that narrative wrong? Is, is there a chance that he could be better than those guys? I don't think so. That Ohio, and Ohio State sort of made a choice with who they were going to play and just made it clear to Jamison Williams of like, because he started in 2020 and did nothing. Like he, he had like 13 catches in 2020 with Justin Fields throwing to him in the year when Ohio State made the national championship game. He was the third receiver. They started three receivers. He's the third starting receiver with Olave and Wilson. And he was not, he was nothing. And then one of the guys that decided we're going to play ahead of him in 2021 is Jackson Smith and Jigba. We saw, you saw why Ohio state made that decision. I can't get completely past that. And he went to Alabama that had a hole at receiver. He's incredibly fast. He had the Heisman trophy winning quarterback throwing to him. And he is a speed guy, but I'm I'm not a thousand percent sure that he's like a number one receiver in the way that I want a number one receiver to catch contested balls, be as effective on third and seven as you are on the deep ball and that kind of thing. To me, he feels a little more like a not a luxury pick, but he's more like a number two that you bring in when you have another good receiver and then you let him run go routes and that kind of thing. I, I don't like him for the Browns and I'm a little hesitant on Olave for kind of the same thing that I just, I don't think either of them are like the classic, like go-to guy, the way that Garrett, Garrett Wilson is the way these other receivers are. So um, depends what you're getting. What'd you get in your trade? Did you get a first rounder future first, or what'd you get? Uh, I don't even remember. It was, it wasn't like a future first. It was like a second or a third next year. Well, you know, moved down to 23 with Arizona. Um, and I think I got like uh, some picks and picks next season. Because this is one of those things, I mean, we're talking about teams jumping for QBs. Depending how this quarterback thing unfolds, 13 could be a spot where people want to jump for a QB. If, as we said, if some of these linemen on both sides of the ball start pushing some quarterbacks down, and maybe people thought Kenny Pickett was going to be a top eight pick, and Kenny Pickett's there at 13, and the Browns have no interest in Kenny Pickett, and somebody wants to come get him, this could be a spot where being nimble and being willing to do something like this, you could, I love one of the things about having a quarterback and the Browns don't have a quarterback for sure right now. They do, but they aren't locked in for sure. Once you get locked in on quarterback, you can prey on everybody else's quarterback desperation and 13 might be a spot to do that. So I am open to that, Dan. I know there's still some Browns fans are by trading down, but if you're fleecing somebody do it. Well, and then there's some other guys that will, you know, Jahan Dotson could be there late first round or Samerica. You took him in the second round in yours. You know, David Bell from Purdue. There's guys out there that, that you can get who might end up being pretty good receivers. Ashley, does the does the ACL scare you, though, in terms of Jamison Williams? You want to avoid picking a guy that might not be ready, you know, the second week of September. Yeah, especially when you don't have to necessarily. I mean, like Doug was saying, you're going to have the guys who, who beat him out for, you know, the, these – other roles at Ohio state who were getting more catches and, and playing time than him and everything like that. So I think if you can avoid an injury like that, especially when we've talked so much with the Browns issues this year about guys not playing together and guys missing training camp and things like that and how it impacts them. I think if you don't have to deal with that, then it's kind of like, why when, when that room is kind of a mess right now and you need help as soon as you can get it. Yeah, and, and Mary Kay, the thing about that, too, is I, I had flashbacks to, and obviously a different situation, but I did have some flashbacks to the beginning of this year when it was like, when is Odell Beckham going to come back? You know, and they had the situation in Kansas City where he kind of decided not to go, and then they had to rule him out the next week, and you just were never quite sure when he was going to be back and when he was going to be Odell. I know it's a different era now where these ACLs aren't career enders. They aren't, I mean, guys recover fast. I mean, we had a guy playing the Super Bowl who, or his Achilles in like training camp, but mm-hmm. you know, does it concern you at all? Does it give you pause if the Browns took a guy who just tore his ACL at the beginning of January? You know, I mean, it does. It definitely does, but not as much as it would have five years ago. And in my first mock, I actually had them trading up to get Jameson Williams because I thought, you know what, T- take a chance. Let's let's be aggressive. Let's see what's going on here. He was supposed to be the number one uh, receiver potentially in this draft. I mean, of course, we need to, I would defer to Doug on Ohio State receivers. So what he's saying holds a lot of weight with me. I probably should have talked to him before I did my first mock draft because, I mean, he knows. I mean, he knows the Browns and he knows Ohio State better than anybody. So, um, so absolutely, if he doesn't feel like this is a fit, then that means a lot to me. 
but um, but just in terms of the ACL for right now, um, he's younger than Odell. And I do think that a 21 or 22 year old body heals quicker than a guy who's going to be 30 in November. Uh, Odell had all had also been through a number of other injuries over the past few years. Now guys are some guys, depending on how their bodies work, uh, can come back in seven, eight, nine months from a torn ACL and, and play pretty darn well. So, um, so I'm not too freaked out about that part of it. Um, but yeah, so I guess it might be the other things more than that. And then I'll also, I would, you know, I would have to make sure that I were in all of the receiver talk. I still feel like there's got to be a proven veteran receiver that the Browns go out and get whether by trade. And, and I've mentioned Calvin Ridley a couple of times. I'm still intrigued by that. Uh, so either him or some of the other ones that we know are out there in free agency, or even hey, I still am not opposed to trying to figure out a way to bring Jarvis Landry back at the right number, because at least you know what you have with him. You know, he's going to be good. And if he was playing that hurt this year, then I think there's still plenty of upside, even though he will also be 30 this year. So if I'm going Jamison, I am making sure that I have other good, healthy, proven receivers. So that's a, that's an interesting wild card too. in all of this that we should probably talk about real quick. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to do these every single week. Um, you know, our next ones will be coming up the week after the combine, but you know, we'll be doing these the week of March 14th when the league year opens and the week after that, like Doug, if the Browns sign Devonte Adams or Chris Godwin, or I mean, one of the big, big time, this dude is a num- Mike Williams. This dude is a number one receiver. Does that change? Does your mock draft look different the next week? I think it, I think it probably does. Again, I think they need two. I think they need to add two people to this room. And so depending who it is, it might be like, okay, well that's one. And then let's see the other one be the first round pick. And those are the two new receivers that reshape this passing offense. But that's why I think it's interesting to watch, you know, to try to do these every week to watch our, our minds change because we'll get a sense that if Andrew, like, it's like, okay, well, Andrew Barry, he knows they need to address receiver, but he's doing it in free agency or in trades. And then all of a sudden we're going to have them taking an edge rusher at 13 or we're, or it's going to really open up like, man, they are filling some needs. I think they're really going to roll the dice on QB at 13 because they don't have these glaring holes. But for the moment I'm operating, as you guys have already mentioned, like, a lot like with tackle two years ago, because they went through everything in free agency that year. It was like, they did all this stuff. And it was like, well, they have this one hole left. And it's like, well, they, they have to take a left tackle because they did not address that otherwise. So I do think we'll get a sense from that, but they need a number one receiver. If it's Mike Williams. Okay. Then they're probably not taking Drake London. Cause I don't know that they want two, six, five receivers. Right. So that, that will definitely absolutely affect the thinking. Yeah, I think it'll affect the thinking, but I mean, I'm with Doug in that I think they need two people. That's why in my first mock draft, I had them picking up two receivers. And I think you did as well, Dan. Like, I I just think they need more help than just that first round pick. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a rookie anyway. Um, And, you know, I think like Doug's saying, if if things change, if they do bring somebody in in free agency, depending on those that person's skill set, their physicality, all of that stuff then I might also like narrow down who I would want them to take in the draft a lot, a lot more easier than I'm doing right now. So I think it impacts it, but I still think they got to figure out a way to get two new guys in here. Let's take a break and then we'll get into some stuff that we all did uh, in the later rounds of the draft, or at least the second and third rounds. And back on the orange Brown talk podcast, Mary Kay, one of the themes of, I think all of our mocks was defensive line. Uh, Ashley and I both took a defensive tackle, at least at one point. We've all taken edge rushers. It seems like defensive line is a priority for all of us. Do you think it's a priority for the Browns? I think it has to be. They have to get a couple of defensive defensive linemen somewhere. And I think edge has got to be something that they really need to be looking at because uh, they don't know if they're going to get Jadavian Clowney back. And Tack McKinley is not going to be back anytime soon if they do decide. Now, that was a one-year contract that he was under. They liked what he brought to the table. 
but now he's going to be recovering for a while. So they've got to get a number three edge and they might even have to get a number two. So I think we're all on the same page here. And then also, I think they really did believe that Malik McDowell had some good upside potential. He was raw his first year. He was undisciplined. Uh, but I think they felt like there was something there that they could keep working with. And, um, and so now they are looking at these two positions. I am bigger on edge, although, as you guys have, have noted, there are some really good pass rushing defensive tackles. And who wouldn't want the next Aaron Donald type of a guy, right? So getting that push up the middle is vitally important. And I think it would be something that really still would help Miles, even though, or act, actually, if you could find somebody that could bounce outside and move inside, that's good. And there are guys like that. But yes, I think we all uh, envision that they will draft a defensive lineman in one of the first three rounds with rush ability. Doug, you didn't have a defensive lineman this last week, so we're, we're going to get to that in a minute. But, um, Ashley, as you're kind of looking at this, you know, the picks you made, it was – I think you took Devontae Wyatt in both second rounds mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. you did, so that interior line. But you took an edge rusher, too. Yeah, I took an edge rusher in each draft, I think, uh, that I've done so far. But I – Wyatt, to me, is somebody who – I'm curious to see what happens next week. And I think Doug made this point in his mock draft that this might just be a guy who's not there for them in the second round. Um, But until he's not there, until that happens, I'm still going to pick him because they, we've talked about it over and over and over again, that they just seem at this point to not be willing to spend super big in free agency And obviously drafting somebody would be a way to kind of address that need on the interior defensive line and obviously help Miles Garrett. But to kind of go along too with what Mary Kay was saying, like my thought process of taking an edge rusher in each of these drafts that I've done so far is that that Tack McKinley injury. Because we're thinking about that, that even if they get Jadavian Clowney back or sign somebody else in free agency to a similar kind of deal that Clowney had this past season. I think you need to account for that depth that Tack McKinley gave you and how can you address that and potentially develop somebody for longer term at that spot opposite of Miles Garrett. So Doug, why did you take Daxton Hill and Kobe Bryant then? Yeah, because I got—I had to kill your Devontae Wyatt dreams, you two. I know Dan <laughs> yeah, and Ashley both. I will say when we did our defensive backs uh, off-season roadmap pod, I did say Doug's not here, but I would not draft any defensive backs in these first three rounds. So it, it goes in stark. Season. It goes in stark contrast to that whole pod that, that yeah. Ashley, Scott, and I did uh, last week about oh, the defensive backs are set. Maybe they do some little additions here. You go out and get him a safety and a pretty corner. corner. Well, so so just to be clear, I just Devontae White's too good. I just don't think he's going to be there when the Browns pick in the second round. These Georgia defensive tackles, they were like the defining thing of the college football season. Jordan Davis and Devontae White are the two that are out in the draft. They're just, there's not many guys like them. So the one thing is, and I think everybody, you know, this is not uncommon. The Browns think this way. I think most teams think this way. You fill needs in free agency and the draft to take talent. So it's so important to have dudes on the back end who can cover and be versatile and play zone and play man and blitz and be strong against the run and all those things that when I just, I started going through stuff and I was trying to go, who actually might be there, who could slip a little bit. And as soon as you think a team is set at something, and again, this is, it's not filling a desperate need. It's just accumulating talent where you want talent. It's like, well, you know, Troy Hills in the second year of his deal. I don't know. Is he a long-term guy here? I don't know. And it's like, yeah, you have Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and Greedy Williams, but can you ever have too many corners? And Ronnie Harrison, we don't really know how long. I mean, is he going to be here next year? And so, um, like, I just like Dax Hill in the slot. He's a mission guy. I thought he could fall. And then Kobe Bryant, man, he's a Cleveland kid. I like his brother. His brother played at Ohio State. And uh, and so I, I just – but I could envision – I could envision them if – you like adding to strength. You don't only have to fill weakness in the draft. Sometimes you can add to strength and it's going to, then you're not going to have Richard LeCount trying to cover Devontae Adams in the end zone in December, right? If you add guys like this. So it, yes, I understand it doesn't fit 
where they need stuff. But like, I just still think they're going to get, if they don't have Clowney back, they're going to sign some veteran and fill the edge rusher there and that kind of thing. So um, I went with two defensive backs that I kind of am familiar, familiar with. Mary Kay, tell Doug why he's wrong. Well, you know what? I can't because Andrew Berry loves defensive backs. He was one, you know, he loves defensive backs. Certain people uh, just get attached to a position. Anybody that I know that's ever played offensive line in like in high school, they love offensive linemen, right? And, and Andrew Berry loves defensive backs. And, um, and this is a team that has told us, and I think Kevin Stefanski does too. They've told us you can never have too many good corners. I did watch Kobe Bryant very closely at the senior bowl. I mean, he just jumped off the, the field, you know, the days that I watched, he was, he was really good against uh, some really good competition there. So I really liked him. I don't, I don't have a problem with this and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they continue to add uh, to the DB room. And here's one thing that we know about Andrew, do not think that you can completely 100% read and guess what he's going to do. Cause it's not always going to go like that. It's not always. Now, sometimes it will Jed wills this year. We think, you know, receiver last year, cornerback. Um, but I don't think that, that we can pigeonhole him into this is what he has to do. And he's going to look crazy if he doesn't do it that way. So don't have a problem with it. Remember Paul D Podesta went on Cleveland Browns daily and said, passing game, got to get it, got to stop it. What better way? That was disappointing. Take that Dan. How do you like that? Mary Kay agreed with me. Mary Kay, can you change your mind so that Doug can stop gloating now? I know. <laughs> well, he, he said something I, nice about me earlier about that, you know, the whole like super sleuthing thing in Indy. So you, yeah. did. you have to, you have to <laughs> give him, give him his due for that. I understand. I'm just here for Mary Kay's approval. That's all I seek in every podcast. <laughs> now, now, Mary Kay, you, because you took the quarterback at number 13, you went with Jahan Dotson at number 44. Mm-hmm. And Doug, did, you traded up for a quarterback in the first round. I guess we should talk about that. But didn't you also trade for a wide receiver in your first mock? I don't. I, I took a, uh, my first mock was receiver at one, and I traded up with for the second round pick to take Desmond Ritter late in the first round. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on the prowl for quarterback and like the right guy in the right moment, just like Mary Kay is. But Jahan Dotson, I mean, having watched Jahan Dotson, he kind of jumped on the radar against Ohio State two years ago with some stuff that was like number one receiver kind of stuff. And he had a limited quarterback at Penn state. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's contested balls. I think he's like a pro, Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not against Jahan Dotson. I think, I think raw talent wise, he's, he's a step below sort of these top end guys, but like late first round, or if he falls to the second, or if you want to do some kind of thing where the Browns aren't taking a first round receiver, I think Jahan Dotson and then another guy for me is George Pickens from Georgia, who was hurt all year, tore an ACL, came back at the end of the year after eight and a half months off. He's a big bodied guy. The, the receiver draft is deep. So for the people who are like, hey, wait on receiver, do that later, get something else in the first round. There are options there. And, and Dotson definitely deserves to be mentioned. Yeah. I mean, Mary Kay, I could get excited about that. If Jahan Dotson ends up being the guy, you know, on day two. Yeah. And he was another one that, uh, he was there at the senior bowl and it, you know, what was nice about that, um, you know, being there was the fact that it's really the last time that you're going to get the, to see these guys play football. Right. I mean, it's that, just that last chance to see real, you know, football going on and he looked good. And I, you know, I mean, he, he stood out and he had a really, he had a nice week and he looked polished. He looked like he's, you know, he's fast, he's shifty. He's somebody that you could work with. He's got really good hands. Um, so there were plenty of things to like about it so much so that I don't know if he's going to be there at number 44 and I'll probably take, you know, maybe a little bit, I'll get some pushback for thinking that, that he will be, but you never know. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world, but he's getting enough uh, attention right now that I, that I think he could probably go higher than that. If not, definitely somebody that you could take here, but I think you would still want to pair him with a good veteran receiver. Somebody's going to have to show these young guys the ropes. Uh, somebody's going to have to make sure that they've done it before in clutch moments. So I would still be uh, beating the bushes in free agency if I go if you go this route. 
It, it really is interesting to me. I do think in the end, the receivers, it's, it's really about the pair almost mm-hmm. like that. We all sort of seem like we think they need two. It's like, which, who's the, who's the young guy? Who's the veteran? Like, how do you, because, you know, again, Dotson, Dotson's like 5'11". He, when he played against Ohio State, his athleticism stood out. He can hang with anybody on Ohio State. 11 for 127 against Ohio State. If you're getting like a, an older veteran guy, like a Mike Williams or something, to be like your number one and you draft Dotson as your number two, man, I can get on board with that, right? So I do. I'm fascinated to see. I'm thinking about them in tandem, and I'm super curious to see what Andrew Barry does. So, Ashley, another theme uh, outside of uh, – Mary Kay was the only one that didn't do this, I think. Another theme in most of our mocks was, hey, the Browns need more tight ends. Yeah, I, I think I had a mock where I took Jeremy Rucker. Uh, we've seen a number of tight ends thrown out there. Do the Browns need more tight ends, Ashley? Well, I think it, I don't want Doug's head to explode in terms of all the five and six yard passes they throw to tight ends. But I think if you're going to run this much 13 personnel, we don't need to beat a dead horse in terms of talking about Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield's lack of chemistry and how we think they can beef up that broom. So I look at, you know, Rucker out of Ohio State and I did take him. I know, Dan, you took him in your first draft. I think I took him in my second with that comp pick if he is still hanging around there. Um, Because I think the big thing with him coming out of the Senior Bowl is people saw that he can be more effective in catching passes than he was at Ohio State, just given Ohio State's offense uh, and what they needed him to do. So I'm not opposed to it. I, you know, I think in my first one, I took two, I took a second receiver in that spot instead of a tight end. But as we're talking about now, they might not need to do that, especially if they go and get a veteran guy. So I'm definitely not opposed to beefing up that tight end room, given everything we've seen so far about how Kevin Stefanski runs this offense and getting somebody who can be more versatile in that passing game. Doug, even you took a tight end. Yeah, I like Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. I was I picked Iowa State to make the playoff last year. They went seven and six. So uh, I am a naturally predisposed to cyclones. But the thing that I think is the reason why we're all doing this is tight end is one of these spots, and it's just there's a lot of misses at tight end. But Mark Andrews was a third round pick, and um, George Kittle was a fifth round pick. And Dalton Schultz, who had a really good year at the Cowboys this year, was a fourth-round pick. And they're always these kind of weird athletic dudes. It's like, oh, what's this guy? Oh, he's 6'5", 245. And he's fast, and he has good hands, and he can run you over. And it's like, well, take him. And so I think we're all looking for that number one tight end for the Browns. And it's like, well, if you're going to roll the dice in the third round, not roll the dice, but there's no sure things. Maybe they're still trying to get a, a contributor there probably, but it's like if you're going to take a guard or a linebacker, it's like you might get George Kittle. So I, that's why I did it. And there's always guys. There's just a rash of 6'5", 240-pound guys that you can talk yourself into. And so I think like we all talked ourselves into a different guy. And I can see Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski talking themselves into a tight end in the third round in the same way. And part of that, Mary Kay, too, is like we still don't have an answer on David Njoku. Right. There are a couple factors here. Uh, We still do not have an answer on David Njoku, as you just mentioned. And um, and that's going to be interesting uh, to see how that plays out, because they want him back. They want to resign him. uh, But he just might be able to get somebody else to pay him a little bit more. And I think he might want to test those free agent wires to see uh, what that would be all about. Um, But the other thing is, what if they go out and trade for Matt Ryan? then all of a sudden Austin Hooper starts looking good again, right? Hey, (laughs) then they have their number one tight end. Now that might sound far-fetched right now, but maybe it's not as far-fetched as we think. I mean, he's got to be on the list of veteran quarterbacks that they would look at. So that changes the tight end room a little bit because, uh, you know, for that reason. But if they're sticking with Baker Mayfield, you know, then, then I think that, you know, you might want to add to the tight end pile a little bit because Harrison Bryant isn't, didn't take quite the leap they hoped he would in the second year, but nobody did. Nobody that catches the ball took a good leap in their second year or had a very good year last season because Baker wasn't himself. So who knows? Maybe, maybe there's more to Harrison Bryant than, 
than there than we saw last year. Maybe there's more to Austin Hooper than we have seen. David Njoku, you know, so there's just a lot of variables. I think we're going to know more about the tight end position once we know, once we get through free agency, once we know who the quarterback's going to be. But I don't think it's crazy to take one with Kevin Stefanski's offense. Having said that, I also think that Kevin Stefanski will play to the strengths of his personnel. And if he winds up with three really good receivers, you're going to see some three wides. Got to get, got to have the healthy quarterback to get them the ball, but he will do what the personnel dictates. Can I bemoan something here briefly before we move on? Mm-hmm. John Dorsey in 2018 drafted uh, Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward, which is, I mean, that's, that's yeah, some good drafted there, right? In the third round, they took Chad Thomas. And later in the third round, the Ravens took Mark Andrews. And like the idea that the Browns could have taken Baker's tight end mm-hmm. and given him a friend, paired him with Baker and what Mark Andrews has become, Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas, who was more interested in being a DJ than he was in being a defensive end from the moment he got here. I know you wrote that story, Dan. Oh, isn't it interesting that Chad Thomas likes music? No, it's not interesting. It indicates he doesn't care about football. (laughs) He's a DJ now, right? Is he at a club in Miami right this very minute? He's he's not a D. He's a he's a rapper. He's a rapper. He's rapping. I know Mark Andrews is doing. Mark Andrews is catching 12,000 yards worth of (laughs) passes every year. The Browns could have drafted him for Baker. What a miss. Chad, Chad Thomas had his first career sack in Cincinnati one his second year, I think. Yeah, first <laughs> career sack in the second year, something like that. And I was talking to him in the locker room after, like during that week after. And one of the things he said to me was like his Twitter feed was just full of people saying, oh, you play football? So funny. Chad Thomas. <laughs> so funny. Can we make that? That's like the draft day movie. That's the red flag. It's like, hey, why aren't you casting the guy? Because people don't even know he plays football. I'm not going to draft him. How many of your Instagram followers know you're a football player? How many of your Instagram followers came to your 21st birthday party if we're going the draft day route? I mean, it's one of those things I always like in life. It's good to have outside interests in football. They don't really want guys with outside interests. They want you thinking and eating football 24 hours a day. So they could have had Mark Andrews and they don't. So they have to go find their Mark Andrews. They're going to keep drafting him, right? I just think they're going to keep drafting a tight end in the middle rounds every year until they get to Mark Andrews or George Kittle. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski values them, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could see them doing it. Um, don't know if they'll do it in the first three rounds, but maybe four or five. I think another one will come on board. I think that's everything. Does anybody have any of their picks that they want to like just pound the table for? Like, hey, Dan, come on, you didn't mention this pick, and it was awesome. Or, or did Let me talk about my little friend Calvin Austin. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> he's shorter than you, Mary Kay. You said he's shorter yeah. than you. Well, I don't know about. I don't think he's shorter than me because you know I'm I'm very height challenged. But it felt like I was as tall as him when we spoke, and I think that's probably because I wear five inch heels everywhere I go, and I mean everywhere around my house in the middle of winter, I've got the heels. on. So, um, so yeah, we were kind of eye to eye, but you know, we bonded a little bit, really cool guy. Uh, he's too, he's so small. I mean, he really is small. He's a shade under five, eight, but he's very, very fast. He's very shifty. He's got good hands. He looked, I thought he looked really good at the senior bowl. And when I talked to one evaluator, he was like, he's, he's got some Tyreek Hill in him. Well, I mean, if you've got some Tyreek Hill in you, that's good enough for me to take a flyer on with a comp pick. Why not? So that's where I took him in my second mock. And, um, and I also think that he's, he's got some really good returnability. And um, I don't know. I just ended up liking him. So worth, worth taking here in my mock too. So I, I took a second receiver, I think, in both of mine. Um, I know there was a defensive tackle. I was interested in, but I don't think I took him in my mock. I think I wrote about him in another post, but I took Sky Moore and mm-hmm. Daniel Jeremiah had a conference call on Friday and he could, he compared him a little bit to Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. I love draft comparisons, but <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's going to be somebody in that third round, fourth round, fifth round, even that like can come in and be sort of that extra wide receiver or whatever you want to call him. That, that kind of mm-hmm. do everything Swiss army knife type of wide receiver. Do you have Sky twice, Dan, in your week one and week two? I think I did. So there was a defensive tackle I was interested in. You mentioned Malik McDowell earlier. There's a guy from Houston 
named Logan Hall, who's six foot six. And he might not, so he's kind of built like Malik McDowell. He's not as heavy. Um, I thought about taking him, but I don't know if he's going to be a defensive tackle in the NFL. But yeah, I think I had Sky Moore on both of mine. I, I had him traded up for Desmond Ritter, as you mentioned, Dan, in my first mock draft in the back half of the first round. I'm just on alert for a trade up because I do think one of the best ways they could use these third round comp picks that they're getting this draft and the next draft because of the signing of the GM out of their front office is his ammo because they, like, they don't need more players. It's like, ah, now we get to draft eight guys instead of seven. Like, that's not what they need to do. And I do just think it opens up some things of like, okay, then trade your second round pick for a future, whatever, because I'm more interested in them getting aggressive and targeting some of their guys, just like they did with JOK last year, just like they did with David Njoku in 2017 when they moved up to the, late in the first round for him. I'm just, they, they have something to play with. And that's, I think that's the best thing of sometimes about extra picks. It's not an extra body in camp. Hey, we have two third rounders instead of one. Let's let's move up eight spots. Let's let's see them go get somebody. And so I do think if the right quarterback falls, if they don't take a quarterback at 13 and the right guy's there late in the first round, if they do take not a receiver, right? They don't take a receiver at 13, but somebody that they like is there at 26, then let's use some of these extra picks to jump. And I'm just super curious about that. And just for the record, I traded the comp pick in my second mock draft because I didn't really have anybody I wanted to pick there. <laughs> you just traded it for, for future considerations. I, just, I was like, I I'm done with this it. story. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's, let's go to bed and get to Saturday. Forget this. <laughs> By the time we get to the end of this, like we're all doing 10 mock drafts, Dan, he's going to trade every pick for future considerations. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> I think the, I think the roster's good. They don't need to add any young talent. They're all set. All Too right. many good players. <laughs> all right, I think that's going to do it here. Uh, on our mock draft recap here on the Oregon Brown Talk podcast. We're going to have full coverage from Indianapolis of the Combine, Cleveland Icon slash Browns, and you're going to have to be a Football Insider subscriber to get some of it. So click that blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get all signed up. And just make sure you're subscribed uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to have daily podcasts coming your way uh, from Indianapolis. So, Mary Kay, Doug, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Talk to everyone later.